I'll start with the set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas. Amen. Okay, now we're in the fourth step and we're on uh, finishing the inventory process. We've done, we've looked at resentments, which is the number one offender. And we've looked at the specific instructions there, and it's not very complicated. We've finished fears. We read the two pages. We talked about it, how you look at them. And we looked at the prayer for fear. And then we did the second step proposition exercise on fear, because our fears continue the rest of our lives, because we're alcoholics, and we can't help ourselves from starting to manage our lives. And when we do, we get fear. And so now we have tools that we can stop and we can change our personality. And I used to be full of fear and have very little, if any, fear anymore. And um, we have the prayer, I ask God to remove my fear of whatever it is and direct my attention to what he would have us be. So it's how I should be, and I want him to direct my attention to that. And then it says that once we commence to outgrow fear, because if I'm with God and, and he's managing my life, then I won't have fear. Now I can, st I can ha bring fear into the present, but then I have these tools to move it out of the present and bring God in. I could still get upset or bothered or angered at people, but I have these tools now, the process that we went through, so that I can move the resentments out of the now and I can be with God. So like I say, if I'm having a bad day, it's my fault because I'm bringing fear and anger into the now. And we, we try. Does anybody try? We try because it's the water we swam in our whole lives, but we don't now that we've worked these steps, this big, the four steps, the beginning of that, I don't have to do that anymore. And that's freedom. And I've been listening to Matthew uh, chapter 11, 25 to 30. And it, uh, I think it really applies to this and what we're trying to do in uh, the steps. It says, he says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Now, I, I am laboring, and I'm heavy laden with my fear, my resentments, my blame of myself, my shame and guilt, all of that, and it can just be taken away. And rest is peace. I have peace with myself and peace with God. And so all I have to do, and if you, in this scripture, is come to him, and he will give me rest. He will take away all this. It's like we talked about the, uh, they used to make the prisoner carry around the dead person uh, in Rome. If they killed someone, they'd tie him to his back and he'd, he'd have to live with him till he died. And uh, we don't have to, we, that can be lifted from us. And I, I look at that because the guy was talking, it's not our AA, but he was talking about all these things that we carry around, all these things we, that we have no power ourselves to be rid of. And that's what we talk about. God can just do it. And 
and it's so I, I, the, I, I go to that verse. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And then guess what I have? And I will find rest for my soul. I think that's the great promise. And so uh, that's really helped me. And it goes, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So when I'm with God, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then if I get heavy laden and weary, then uh, I've brought it on myself. And if I come to him, he'll take it away. So now we're going to talk about sex. Um, I don't think we're going to finish having sex tonight. Uh, I don't think we're going to finish sex because I was talking so much and we had birthdays. And so uh, we're just going to look at it. It's really only uh, six paragraphs. One, two, three, four, five, six paragraphs. And I've heard it say that, uh, you know, people say you shouldn't have a relationship for one year. You've heard that. Somebody decided that 365 days, you, once you get to 366, you can have that relationship. Well, that doesn't make any sense to me. And, and of course, we need a relationship with God right away, right? We don't want to wait a year. But what I do tell people I work with who are struggling, I said, try not to get into a relationship till you've worked your sex inventory. So you have an ideal and you can bring something different into the relationships. And I said, try not, AA is not match.com. Try to go to the meetings and, and work the steps. And then uh, when you finish this and you've written out your sane sex ideal, then maybe your relationships will be better. And even if you're in a married, uh, work the, look at this. See how you want to be in your marriage. We're going to see. It's not that complicated. So it says, now about sex. Many of us needed an overhauling there. But so we inventory resentment, fear, and sex. That's it. And I use sex as relationships. You could use the, the information as relationships with people at work or other family members. But above all, we tried to be sensible on this question. And I think that's important. Some people have very strong opinions on how other people should be and whether you don't meet their expectations, especially in the sex area. And then um, they brand people. And I think we have to stay away from that. We don't want to do that. It says we're not going to judge anybody's sex life. It's so, excuse me, easy to get way off the track. Here we find human opinions running to extremes, absurd extremes perhaps. One set of voices cry that sex is the lust of our lower nature a base necessity of procreation. That doesn't sound good, does it? But as we know, we all have a sex instinct, and if we didn't, we wouldn't have the human race. And animals have the sex instinct, and they, they breed other animals. So it's part of us. Uh, we're different because we can use our sex uh, powers in different ways than animals can. And then we have the voices who cry for sex and more sex, who bewail the institution of marriage, who think that most of the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. I don't think you can blame sex causes for the troubles of the human race. If you read uh, Romans, it's our sinful nature, our self-centeredness. Just look at the world today. 
You watch CNN, you see something. You watch Fox News, you wonder if it's the same planet. It's different. Everybody, and not the one's right or the other's wrong. It's just the way people look at things. They think we do not have enough of sex, or it isn't the right kind. They see its significance everywhere. One school would allow man no flavor for his fare, and the other would have us on a straight pepper diet. I don't know how they wrote this with a straight face. Uh, uh, so you can have flavor for your fare, and you don't have to be on a straight pepper diet. We want to stay out of this controversy. We do not want to be the arbiters of anyone's sex conduct. In fact, we don't want to be the arbiters of anyone's conduct. And we shouldn't offer uh, our opinions on anything, just our experience. And that's really important to remember. Uh, when you're working with someone, you don't offer an opinion of what they should do. You should just tell them your experience. And if you don't have experience in that area, have them find someone else who's had that. Did that make sense? It's very important. Because we have to stop. We can't do that. We want to stay out of this controversy. We do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. That's a powerful light, isn't it? And I don't want to be the arbiter of anyone's conduct. We all have sex problems. We'd hardly be human if we didn't. What can we do about them? So here's what you do for your sex inventory. We've reviewed our conduct over the years past. So you could make a list of all the names of the relationships, or you could just do a general looking back at, and then uh, answer these questions. But I think it's very helpful, especially for me. I could see I made some really bad decisions in this area of my life. And where had I been selfish? I was very selfish. And I used to use people not so much for sex, but to, for approval. Does that make sense? Or to feel good. And I, and I didn't think about the other person's feelings a lot. Uh, now, I'm not, not saying I did that all the time, but when I was doing my honest interview, dishonest. Were you ever dishonest about your motives? Did you ever lie to anybody in a relationship? Did you ever lie to get what you wanted? Were inconsiderate, were you inconsiderate of the other person's feelings of who they are, that they're a person? See, you're trying to make this conduct, you're trying to look at it as a human beings interacting, and we want to be self, unselfish, we want to be honest, right? We want to be considerate, we want to be patient, we want to be kind and loving, right? And you could do that with names, I've had people write names, and then answer these questions with specific, specifically what they did. It's very helpful. Especially if you're in a relationship now and you're upset with the person you're in a relationship, then you should answer these questions. Where have I been selfish in this relationship? Dishonest or inconsiderate. And then whom you had hurt, go through. Now, you're not going to make amends to a lot of these people because to do so would harm them more, but whom did you hurt? Who did you hurt by being selfish, dishonest, and inconsiderate? It's not pretty. It's not pretty, and it doesn't matter if you're male or female, both sides. We've, we've all, all done this. <laughs> did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? 
Have you done that? Have you tried to arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Did we do that through our actions? Do we do it? Um, do we justifiably do it? You see, uh, what was our motives? Where were we at fault? What should we have been done instead? So it's a list of questions. You can write the questions out on a sheet of paper, and then you can hold the sheet of paper and you can list names. But it's important to look at this. Why? Because I don't want to be the same way ever again. I don't want to be selfish and dishonest and considerate. I don't want to hurt people anymore. And I don't want to hurt people. And what should I have done instead? So I'm learning, looking at it and saying, gee, I did that. Which had, and I've looked through my life, and I see what I should have done instead. And, and um, it, you don't do this to beat yourself up. You do this so you can see how when you were self-centered, living separated from God, how you, how you, you practiced that self-centered way of life and how it affected you and others. In this way, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for a future sex life. Now, here's a good question. I subject each relation to this test. Was it selfish or not? If you're married today, are you being selfish in your relationship? And if you are, how? And it's because you don't want to be that way. We ask God to mold our ideals and help us to live up to them. So in each relationship, you want to see if you're selfish or not because you want to shape a sane and sound ideal for your future sex life. So one of the points is I don't want to be selfish anymore. Now, I'm in a relationship. I've been married quite a while. But if she asks me to do something and I don't really want to do it, because it doesn't fit with my plan. I have to say, you know, sure, honey, no problem. You get it? Because I, what I want doesn't matter. And I don't want to be selfish. And I want to mold my ideals. And we write out your ideals. And you don't, the opposite of your character defects. And help us to live up to them. So that's a prayer in the sex and forgery. God. Mold my ideals in relationship and help me to live up to them. And that's where I came up with the love, patience, tolerance, kindness, compassion, considerate. That's how I want to be. That's how I want to be in my relationship and my relationship with everyone. We remembered always that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good. So remember, if God is at the center of our lives, the way we handle our sex instinct, material instinct, and social instinct will be different. And so we won't have resentments. We won't have fears and we won't harm people in relationships. And so uh, these sex powers are God-given and therefore good, neither to be used lightly or selfishly nor to be despised and loathed. And so you write out your ideal. Right, look at how you've been. Answer the questions. It doesn't take hours to do this because if you can see pretty clearly uh, where where we've been wrong and we don't want to hurt people anymore 
And if we want to be forgiven, which we do, then we have to look at this and ask God to help us change. And then when you do this, you see the reason you acted that way was not because you were bad, because you were self-centered and you were managing your life. And I don't want to do that anymore. I guarantee you, if you start managing your life, you're going to make bad decisions and you're going to harm people. And that's why I try to live in 1011 so I don't get too far off the beam, so I don't make any bad decisions and I don't harm people anymore. And you, really, you don't really have to. You don't get perfect, but you don't have to be uh, who you were before. And you're very uh, conscious when you're getting off the beam and you, you, want, you don't want to be that person anymore. Now it takes a while, but when you've done this for a while, it becomes, you, you can see it, you can see pretty quickly. So whatever ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow toward it. It's a practice. This is a step, an action step. We're gonna practice a new way of living in relationships. We're gonna practice a new way in treating people. And we must be willing to make amends where we have done harm, provided we do not bring about still more harm in so doing. And you know, there are people that I've harmed that, you know, that was 50 years ago. I don't want to find them today in Facebook or one of these things. I'm not on any of that. And, and call them up and say, gee, I'm sorry I you know, did this to you 50. That doesn't do any good. But it helps me to be willing to make amends. And if I happen to see them, I would be willing. And it also helps me to lose my fear of these people and also helps my shame and guilt. The more you're willing to make amends, the more your shame and guilt goes away. It's like an inverse thing. You're willing to make amends. You know you've harmed, and then your shame and guilt diminishes. So it's a powerful action step. Just step eight, willing to make amends, uh, begin, really sets you free from some of this. In other words, uh, we treat sex as we would any other problem. So we're, we're gonna, we have a prayer. Uh, we ask God to mold our ideals and help us to live with them. And here's the second prayer. We meditate. And I'm going to ask God what we should do about each specific matter. And that's what we, we, we're supposed to do in the morning. And we're to meditate on the day when we face indecision and how we're going to get the right answers from you, God, and go to him. And he's going to show us what the next right thing is to do, not me. And we ask him to give me the power to do his will, to do what he, how he would have me be. And remember, he has a role that we're to play. And our role is to be LPTKCC. And our role is to be uh, the best person we can be. The best husband, dad, AA member, employee, human being. And he, we ask him what we should do about each specific matter. So if you've harmed people, you ask God what you should do about each one. And then you wait, and the right answers will come. And it says, if we want it. So I'm not impulsive to make decisions and decide what God wants me to do anymore. I don't have that much going on in my life that that comes up. But uh, I, I, I want to ask God what to do. Now, there are some things uh, that come up, and I just say, God, uh, you'll show me what I need to do, like with we're moving and the house and this and that. 
He's given that all to God. God alone can judge our sex situation. Counsel with persons is often desirable when we let God be the final judge. So God's going to be the arbiter of what we should do. In other words, he's going to, we go to him and he'll tell us, especially if you're in a relationship where you have a lot of these negative feelings towards the other person, you have to learn how to let go of them. You have to see your conduct. It's not inventorying them and, and go to him. We realize that some people are as fanatical about sex as others are loose. We avoid hysterical thinking or advice. And I, I've worked with a lot of people, tried to help a lot of people, and some of them are in relationships. The relationship has been pretty, pretty bad when they get in here. They've been the tornado. And they don't see the answers to these questions until you go through it. And then they want the other person just to forgive them and move on right away. And it's, it's, not, it's not happening. They don't see um, the situation. And so this helps them be loving, kind, patient, tolerant, considerate for their and what they put the other person through. Somebody was upset because the wife wasn't, didn't want to be romantic with them. They'd been, to get, you know, he'd been sober a while. I said, well, you drank for 15 years. You chose alcohol over her all the time, and now you want her just to be a lovey-dovey and forget like it happened. It's not going to happen. And when you see this, and you review your conduct, and you answer these questions, you mold your ideal, you realize how loving and patient you have to be with this person, and how much they loved you, and what you've put them through. It changes the whole way you react to them. Instead of your expectations for them, we want to put expectations on how we behave. Suppose we fall short of the chosen idea and stumble. Does that mean we're going to get drunk? Some people tell us so. I'm sure some people do, but this is only half truth. It depends on us and our motives. And this is really true of, of everything in all areas. And this is quoted a lot. It's very powerfully written. So if we're sorry for what I've done, and have an honest desire to let God take me to better things, I believe I will be forgiven and have learned our lesson. And I tell God I'm sorry for whatever I've done. And I ask God to take away whatever has blocked me from him. And uh, it says in First John, if you confess your sins, you will be forgiven. And it says, if you say you never sin, you're a liar. Because we all sin. And so, and we, and, and I don't know if I've learned my lesson, but I feel better. I ask God's forgiveness. It changes the way I see it. If we're not sorry and our conduct continu continues to harm others, we're quite sure to drink. So in other words, if you haven't changed your personality, if you're continuing to harm people, if you're selfish and considerate and dishonest, if you unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness, if you're not treating them being decent, your motives are not good, then you're probably going to drink. You know why? Because you don't have a relationship with God. And only God has the power for me not to drink. And if I'm back in self, and it says we are not theorizing, these are facts out of our experience. And my experience has been that if I'm with God, I don't really feel 
a danger to drink today. I don't, I, not today at least, I've prayed, I've listened to scripture. And, and I think I react differently than I did. Remember, we want to react in fit spiritual condition. And then the problems have been removed and we're not in conflict with everybody and everything. And I want to be in fit spiritual condition in all areas of my life. Not just at home, but at the office. And I wish, I wish I'd practiced the steps better 20 years ago at work. And, but I think I did better at 15 than I was at 20. I was better at 10, still had a long way to go. And at five, I was a lot better. And, and so I could see it. You could see a change. And so, so to sum up about sex, we earnestly pray for the right ideal for guidance in each questionable situation. For sanity, that means be able to see the truth of the situation and for the strength to do the right thing. So that's the uh, third prayer for, for sex. I pray, I ask God, give me the right ideal. Give me guidance in every questionable situation for sanity, soundness of mind, and the strength to do the right thing. If sex is very troublesome, we throw ourselves the harder into helping others. And that's true for anything. Remember it says when we're back in self, we resolutely turn ourselves to those we can help. Love and tolerance is our code, page 84, right? And we think of their needs and work for them. This takes us out of ourselves, and this is really true for how we should be in sobriety. We should be thinking of other people, how we can help them. And it quiets the imperious urge, whatever that is, when the yield would mean heartache. And that's, that's true for quieting the desire to drink, whatever imperious is. I don't know, I forgot to look it up. And so we don't want to give in to these self-centered urges. We need power to deal with them, and the power comes from God. And if we're helping others and we're getting out of ourselves, we're in less danger because then we have a relationship with God. So it's very important. Get out of yourself. People call me up and they're full of self-pity. Ever do that? And they're singing the self-pity song. And, you know, you can only listen to so much. You have to hold the phone like this. And then you say, well, you know, uh, is there somebody you could help? Who can, you, uh, who can you think about besides yourself? How can you turn your thoughts around? So I'm going to stop there, and then I'm going to do a summary of the step four on Saturday and finish. The last three paragraphs are very good. So I hope this was good. It's something you never hear at meetings. You never hear anybody uh, make these topics, 68, 69. I've been meetings for a long time. I don't think I've ever had anybody read that. But it's very important because it's part of us. It's how we are as human beings. And how do we deal with, with people in relationships? So we'll stop there. I hope it was okay.